0: Hello and welcome to the Holistic Nutritionist podcast with your hosts Natalie K Douglas, thyroid healer and Kate Callahan, the Holistic Nutritionist. Nat and Kate are degree qualified dietitians and nutritionists, certified fitness instructors, speakers and authors. If you love unfiltered banter, unedited bloopers and authentic heart sharing, then we are your ladies. Now it's time to sit back, relax, and get ready for our latest tips on living your healthiest life possible.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Holistic Nutritionist podcast. Kate, what's up? Hey Nat, how you doing? I'm pretty good. I was just telling you pre-recording that there is a man at 7.30am in the morning, obviously that's what am means. Um, <laughs> When it's overcast, there's someone like using that leaf blowing machine. I'm like, dude, your leaves are going to get stuck to the ground. Why are you blowing in the morning? (laughs) Anyway, so if you guys hear a little bit of that background noise, I am very sorry. I will try and mute myself, but just know it's, I have no control over the blowing man outside.
0: (laughs) You
2: can and scream at him.
1: I could. I'm just not that person. I was having this discussion (laughs) with my husband um, about like assertive people in those kind of situations. I'm just not one of them. Like I've never been someone, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, I actually wish, wish I had more balls, but I've always just like if, for example, like if if something comes out at a restaurant and it's like a bit wrong or if someone's like making noise above our apartment like really loud, like way, like at a really inappropriate time, like I would never go up and knock on the door and say something or I'd never like at a cafe speak up that I'd like gotten the wrong thing or they've forgotten something I'm just like oh that's okay that's fine but then my husband's the opposite like he's really assertive like that and I'm like I wonder what like what's with that I think it's because my mum was always um like she's very laid back and like oh it doesn't matter like and so that's what I've learned like no one really around me ever you know would speak up my grandma maybe but Anyway, just interesting. What are you like? Are you someone that like says something or are you like a oh no, I won't bother anyone?
2: Depends on the situation. If someone's messing with my sleep, then yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very protective of my sleep. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I know, like it's funny, like uh, like if it was someone I knew, like if it was my husband making noise, I'd be straight out there, be like, What the hell are you doing? <laughs> but when it's a stranger, I don't know, maybe I care what people, maybe I don't, I don't know what it is. It's you know, not a good thing though.
2: Yeah. If it's, I mean, if we're at a cafe and there's something minor, then I probably would let it go. But, you know, if they've given me some gluten, obviously on there, then I'm going to say, uh, Oh, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. You or, yeah, it depends on what the situation is and how hungry
1: I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fair call, fair call. Oh, very
2: funny. i you just can't well, be bothered yeah. waiting for another meal to be made.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, are you like, I don't know. I, I just need to get better at it. It's just like there's so many things that like just don't matter like to me, but then I think that sometimes I hide behind that excuse and it, and it does matter to me, but I'm just too uncomfortable with confrontation which is funny because I have no problem like speaking in front of hundreds of people or like like that kind of stuff like I have no problem with that but when it comes to yeah like confrontation or something like that I'm like oh so uncomfortable (laughs) anyway first world problems um so today as a truck goes past while the blowing machine has a break. (laughs) We are talking about hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is a topic that is very close to both of our hearts. And Kate, we are, well, I am, and I'm sure you are too, really excited that you're actually launching another round of your Healing Hypothalamic Amenorrhea course. And I think it's perfect timing, intentionally, um, that we actually talk a little bit more about this because I feel like... It's something that a lot of women suffer from in silence and that sometimes there can be like, it can be really overwhelming to implement what needs to happen. Um, So I'm not going to go into too much detail because I'm sure we will cover it. Why don't we just start off with telling everybody what exactly hypothalamic amenorrhea is and let's call it HA from now on. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I knew you were about to say that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so as you said, I'm about to run another round of my course. I love running it around the end of the year because it really sets people up to just enjoy eating all the food <laughs> at Christmas.
1: Such the timing, hey? Because <laughs> everyone else is in the spirit.
2: Well, because a lot of the times, and we'll go into this, but a lot of the times with ATA you have troubles with food restriction and um, not being comfortable eating all the things. And so if you go into it and finish the course around your Thanksgiving and um, Christmas and you're like, I'm just sweet with eating all the food, and then you can really just enjoy the experience that is the festive season.
1: Mm, Yes.
2: Anyway, backtrack. So what is HA? So hypothalamic amenorrhea. So amenorrhea, we'll break it down. Amenorrhea is when you have lost your menstrual cycle. You have no period. You do not bleed any longer. Um, hypothalamic refers to your hypothalamus in your brain, which we've spoken about many, many times. It's your master control gland, which tells all of your other hormone systems in your body what to do. So basically hypothalamic amenorrhea is when your period stops coming, you are not ovulating, you are infertile, you are not releasing those hormones for a healthy menstrual cycle because your brain, your hypothalamus has stopped communicating to your ovaries to release those hormones for that healthy menstrual cycle in a nutshell.
1: Good nutshell. And I feel like that was very easy to understand. But what actually, so you're saying there's no, like the the communication is lost, but what actually causes that communication to shut down? So there's a few different things. Um, most commonly
2: it is under eating and or over exercising. And this doesn't necessarily mean you have an eating disorder, although a lot of women with eating disorders do also have, have HA, but you can also just have what I call disordered eating where well, you might not actually be deliberately restricting your food or deliberately, acknowledging that you're overexercising and you're not like, um, you don't have those, um, uh, what do you call Clinical signs of an eating disorder, but you're just not nourishing your body, how it's meant to be nourished. So that was me. I had more disordered eating, but not an eating disorder. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I think I would be probably the other one. Well, mm. I, like I did have an eating disorder.
2: Yeah. Literally. So it can be, it can be both, um, and all one or the other. Um, Overexercising it can also be psychological stress, and it can be psychological stress alone. So this is a big thing. So women often think that it's just around the eating and the lack of calories and all the overexercising, but it can be psychological stress alone. That's a big, big factor. And then the other one that I see that can contribute to HA is the oral contraceptive pill. And that's more what we call post-pill amenorrhea, but it's a similar mechanism because when we take the pill, it's basically telling your brain that your body doesn't need to produce those sex hormones because you've got those synthetic sex hormones coming through. So it's, again, switches off communication between the brain and the ovaries.
1: Mm, Bloody pill. Um, (laughs) Not that I'm judging anyone that's on it. I'm just judging the medical system that pushes the pill for everything. Anyway, it
0: should be so, a last
2: resort, as we spoke about yesterday,
1: yeah. um, not on a
2: call that you want to listen to. <laughs> um, I mean, Kate, we're
0: having a chat. Yes.
2: We spoke in Nat's awesome thyroid program, so if you have any thyroid concerns, go into that, and then you can listen to our chat about that. Um, but we spoke about how the pill should really be a last resort for um, addressing hormone imbalances and also contraception. It shouldn't be that first sign of defence because of those uh, side effects that come along with mm. the pill.
1: Yes, I agree. I was just thinking, can you, I feel like this is a question that a lot of people would have, like, do you have to be underweight to have HA?
2: No, no. So this is another thing that that women think. They're like, I couldn't have HA because I'm not underweight. I have plenty of body fat. Um, But there's a few things there. So number one, psychological stress, as I mentioned, can trigger HA. And so if you've had trauma, if you're really, really stressed at work or just in life and not handling it well, that can trigger amenorrhea. Um, Grief can trigger it as well. Grief is a significant psychological stressor. And you can be, you can have significant, well, enough. You can have enough sufficient, that's the one I was looking for, not significant, sufficient body fat levels. And you could be in a healthy, quote unquote, BMI range, um, but still be undernourishing your body, still not be eating enough calories um, or enough of macronutrients that are required for healthy hormones um, and, and or exercising too much. And you could have been on the pill. So I don't actually like to use BMI at all when I'm working with women. With HA, I don't think it's a marker of anything.
1: Yeah, it's pretty stupid.
2: (laughs) It's pretty stupid. One thing that I do ask women with HA, because it's a common thing, is I say, Can you see your abs?
1: Mm, Yeah, that's (laughs) negative. No, I
2: cannot. I'm good. (laughs) And that will give me an idea of whether or not they do need to put on body fat. Mm. And that could be because. Uh, insufficient body fat can be a a trigger for HA as well, because you have insufficient levels of a hormone called leptin, which also signals to the brain sufficient energy levels. I mean, if you don't have that sufficient body fat, you don't have sufficient leptin and your brain kind of gets that message that you're in a famine. So simple self tool, look down, can you see your abs? If you uh, have defined abs and you have no period, then you probably need to put on a bit of fat. And that, again, doesn't necessarily mean you need to put on a lot of weight, but you need to put on a bit of body fat. Mm. Can be two different things.
1: Yeah. And so, okay, so in HA we don't actually have a cycle. I've heard a lot of women, and I feel like I said this at one stage myself, that, oh, awesome, I don't have to bleed every month, but I feel like this is a really dangerous, like, pattern of thinking to encourage because it is really important to have a menstrual, a regular menstrual cycle and there are a lot of negative implications of having HA when you don't have a regular menstrual cycle. Can you talk us through that? Like why do you think that it's important to have a regular menstrual cycle and what do you actually see go wrong health-wise outside of just like body weight and stuff and body fat? Like what, what can go wrong when someone has HA if they're not regularly menstruating?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so dangerous that that message is coming through and it is coming through from medical professionals as well because, you you know, younger women might go to the doctor and say, oh, I don't have my my period. Um, and they'll say, that's fine, you know, just come back and see us when we'll, we'll put you on the pill now and then come back and see us when you want to have babies. It's really not that important um, unless you want to conceive. And
1: so, that's awesome. Awesome makes me grumpy makes me want to be assertive everybody and go in and march in there and have a confrontation
2: yeah yeah So, (laughs) so um so fertility is a big one obviously if you're not menstruating you're not ovulating if you're not ovulating you can't have a baby and that's important for some people but it's not important for all people, especially women who are younger, you know, in their teens or early 20s, even late 20s, um, they're like, I don't I don't really care to have a baby. Or even women in general, you don't have to have a baby. Some women just don't want to. And that's totally fine. And so they go, well, why do I need to get my period back? And there's a few things that are, I think, more important than fertility. The big thing that I really like to drive home with women that don't have a period is Um, bone density. So when you don't have a healthy menstrual cycle, when you're not producing estrogen in particular, you don't have that protective effect of the estrogen on your bones and you're at a much higher risk of developing osteopenia and osteoporosis um, and basically having brittle bones at a young age. And I have seen women in their 30s and 40s who have been chronic runners and not nourishing themselves properly they've got ha they don't have those hormones and they've fractured the neck of their femur
1: oh god Um, that's very difficult to do
2: yes so for those of you who might not know a lot about our anatomy if you could google it you could google their skeletal system and if, if you have a look at the bone that goes into the hip it's like a little um ball essentially that goes into the hip and then you've got your femur which is your thigh bone it is really, really thick. It's, a, it's one of the thickest bones in your body. And to fracture that is quite significant. Like, it takes a lot of work to do that. And you'd have to be really brittle to be able to do that. And I've seen it a couple of times actually, and that's really sad.
1: Wow. Did you have, um, did you have a low, uh, a, like, did you have a bone mineral density scan done when you had HA at any point? And what was, did you have any negative, like, low bone mineral density or anything?
2: I did. Yeah, I had a DEXA scan when I was 27, I think. And yes, I had osteopenia, which is before osteoporosis. Um, You can repair your bones if you get on top of it. Um, The research shows also, I need to point out, that the pill does not improve bone density if you're not also addressing the underlying causes of HA. Mm. There are other things as well, other implications of HA, um, heart disease, so increased risk of heart disease, um, increased risk of immune concerns, um, increased risk of uh, neurological concerns like Alzheimer's, dementia, then you've got other things that might not be as fatal, potentially fatal, um, skin concerns, um, acne, breakouts, dry skin, low energy, fatigue Low libido—that's a big one. Vaginal dryness, painful sex, lots of things. And then, and then brittle nails. Your hair won't grow because basically you're not nourishing your body.
1: Yeah. No, well, like I, I, you kind of touched, you did touch on it, but I was just going to re-emphasize the point of of mood and mood disorders. Like I was diagnosed with depression and put on antidepressants when I had no period, and as soon as I like actually the the truth is when I actually, I was not into holistic health at the time and I got put on hormone replacement therapy when I was like, mm, I want to say maybe 19 or 20. And i got put on antidepressants at the same time. I stopped taking the antidepressants, but continued with the hormone like bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And I didn't like, my mood was completely changed and that, that just goes to show like, how much of an impact it can have, and I see that all the time as well, and I think everything you've described, like sometimes we I feel like we rattle off symptoms and and possible outcomes of things, and people are like, "Oh yeah, but probably wouldn't happen to me, but I can tell you, like honestly, pretty much everything that you just said there i I had, I had osteopenia, I had definitely had dryness every possible place you can imagine. <laughs> I had like hair loss. I had depression. I had absolutely no sex drive at all um, to the point where I was like, oh, my God, like what's wrong with me? Everyone's like finding everyone so interesting at this age. And I'm like, gross. (laughs) Anyway, and I also like just I had a really low immune system and I ended up getting like almost septicemia, which is when your blood basically gets a – an infection kind of thing from a belly button piercing that got infected. And usually it would just be like, okay, if that happens, you know, just keep like, keep the area clean, take the ring out or whatever. And you'd be good. I ended up in hospital on IV antibiotics and then got two parasites on the back of that. And it's like, it's just amazing what can happen from just ignoring this part of your health because really your cycle is a sign of health whether you as Kate you said like whether you want to have children or you don't like it's almost irrelevant because menstruating and having a regular cycle is just a sign that your body feels safe and feels capable of you know reproducing which from a biological standpoint is what we are supposed to do like it's not saying you have to do that but just purely for as a marker of health like it's Huge. Anyway, I'm ranting again, so sorry.
2: (laughs) Right, warranted.
1: Yeah. So I'm just really (laughs) passionate about it. Anyway, tell us about your experience with HA because I just totally just stole the stage because I'm Leo. But (laughs) just I want to hear more about yours and share it with everyone as well. When did it start for you?
2: Oh, look, who really knows when it actually started? um So I've probably been. Uh, I've been well into exercise since I was three.
1: <laughs> Honestly, guys, Kate, when we were at uni, she looked like she was running an exercise class just when she was walking. She changed now, but I was like, oh, my God, are we in body attack? Is this like a flash mob of body attack walking to uni?
2: <laughs> Pretty much. That was my life. I didn't know slow. I did not know slow. It was only one speed for me. <laughs> so, and my mum is insane. She's like high maintenance (laughs) oh sorry keep going although she has told me that my daughter's more high maintenance than I was which kind of scares me a bit
1: oh gosh
2: (laughs) um so I started gymnastics when I was really 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 young um and I grew up My mum's a vet, but before she became a vet, she had a brief stint in Weight Watchers, um, (laughs) as in teaching about Weight Watchers. So we had that kind of education in our house of fat is the devil basically, and a bit of body image concerns going on in there. Um, and when I was about 12, I remember one of my best friends saying to me, if you ever want to get your period, you're going to need to stop doing gymnastics, which broke me a little bit, but I thought, okay, all right. And so I stopped and then I got my period in my teens, I think around 14 or 15. Um, and it stayed for a little while, but then when I was 16, I went on the pill. And so I got a bleed, but that's not really a period. As we know, it's not a healthy menstrual cycle. And I was at that stage, my brain was trying to communicate to my ovaries to establish those pathways, but I had shut it off with the synthetic hormones. And around 17, I became a group fitness instructor and started doing a lot more exercise once again, also playing hockey and dancing and all the things that you do at school. Um, And then when I went to university, I started doing more intense exercise um, along with a lot of drinking. I don't know how I did both, really.
1: Um, I mean, I I don't know how you did both either. I just, you know what, I wouldn't drink because I couldn't. I had, like, a fear that I wouldn't be able to exercise the next day, which is also ridiculous, but, like... I don't know. Yeah! Wow, I'm impressed. A feeling a horrible. Feeling mm. um, anyway. So I was
2: doing up to sixteen classes a week in my early twenties, um, and then in two thousand and twelve, um, my period stopped while I was on the pill. So not even meds could force a period. I was very very lean. So if you, I had very slim body fat. So if you think about what a fitness competitor looks like when they're up on stage competing on the day. That's what I looked like year round. Very, very lean. So I had an eight pack, never six pack, had an eight pack and just a little ball of muscle. Um, And so I went off the pill and still no sign of the period. And around this time I was studying nutrition and dietetics with Unat. I was planning a wedding. I was exercising like a maniac. I was working in PR. I was doing all the things. And I was also following a low-carb, high-fat, very strict paleo diet. And potentially, no, not potentially, I was because we tracked our calories. I was under-eating, so I was eating about, I think, 1,400 calories per day while also doing up to three hours of exercise per day while also having significant psychological stress. Perfect storm. And I'd just been on the pill for 10 years. Yeah, it was a shit storm. Wow. (laughs)
1: So... What was the prompt like? Was what was the prompt for you to be like? Oh shit! I better do something about this. Like when? When did the ball drop? And like how long after you realized it was a problem did you actually start moving towards getting help?
0: Mm,
2: yes, two different things there. Mm. <laughs> so I knew, I knew that I needed to pull back on the exercise and I probably needed to put on a bit body fat probably for a good year before I actually pulled my finger out and did it because I had been this group fitness instructor and I would stand up in front of groups of hundreds of people and they would come up to me and say, I want to look just like you. You have the perfect body. And I had become defined around my body to the point of when I would go out with my friends at the pub, I would be introduced by my friends and they would say, this is Kate, feel her abs. And mm. I am the same abs by some people. So mm. I was not me. I was my body essentially. And so losing that meant I lost myself and I would have to redefine who I was and everything I essentially stood for. And that mm. was uncomfortable. And But we wanted to have babies. So I had to give myself a good talking to and eventually – um I did see a good naturopath, Angela Highwood, um, and she gave me a good kick in the bum and permission to do all the things. And yeah, it was really just the final final straw of like, okay, my bones are shit. I need to I wanna have babies, this is not good. I'm meant to be a health professional, I'm meant to be advocating for health, and um it's just a lie, really.
1: Mm. And was it a, a linear process of healing like did you just decide and then you were just on track and just ate more exercise less and had no setbacks or what was the recovery like
2: <laughs> squiggly lines everywhere
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> no i mean in theory healing ha is pretty simple you know we we eat more we nourish our body more we exercise less we exercise more gently, we manage our stress, we put on a little bit of body fat if needed, and um, we do all the things. We reduce those chemical exposures, the environmental toxins. Um, but in reality, it's tricky, mentally tricky, emotionally tricky. So, yeah, I did have setbacks of going, okay, I'm going to just you know pull back on the, the eating for now and I'm going to go and do more body attack classes. Mm. And then obviously that would set me back. Um I got my I had one cycle back when I went to Broome, which was kind five months May, June, July, September. Four or five months after I started going all in. Um, because Broome is the most chilled out place in the world. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I got one cycle back and I was there for five weeks and was really excited and then I went back to Sydney. <laughs> and for me, um, Sydney was, I love Sydney. I love my time in Sydney, but it was too much of a stress on my body. Um, and so that was kind of the instigator for us to move away from Sydney to the land of the long white cloud, which mm. is, and yeah, so we moved here at the end of the year and then I got my period back in January. And from then it was uh, regularly irregular. <laughs> But it started, you know, it started at what ninety days, or every three, two to three months apart, and then it slowly got shorter and shorter and shorter.
1: Yeah, Um, would you say that's pretty common? Like for people, like it's, I mean, my experience of HA, like with myself and treating it, it's not just like you get it back and then, yep, completely regular and perfect cycles straight from the get go. It's it's kind of like almost being a teenager again, in in a way of like it takes a little bit of time to establish. A normal regular cycle or that's totally is.
2: It totally is. It's like starting again. It's getting those pathways, like those communication pathways from the brain to the ovaries going again. And that takes time. And one thing that I do say to women when they're like, I got my period back. Yay! Now can I start introducing exercise? And la la la. Yeah. la. And I have say no. And I say, look, I'm I don't want to be a party pooper but you may not get your period again next month. Every now and then I'll have someone who does. They'll go straight bang on, like monthly. That's awesome. But that is very, very rare. Most women will have long cycles to start with. And over time, if they are consistent with everything they've implemented, and that is key, if, that's a big if, then Mm. their cycles will shorten down to more monthly regular cycles.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I totally think that's important for people to be aware of because otherwise it can feel really disheartening. Like I've put in all this effort. Now I got it. Like, why Why has it not come again? And I think you just have to be patient with your body. Like think about probably how long it's you've not had a period for, or, you know, how long you've been doing what you've been doing. It, it's going to take a while for that to just re-regulate. And that's why I think like your program and having su- constant support is so important because you like you get mind fucked like in the process <laughs> like like honestly you just well at least that was my experience and it it can feel if you don't have support around you from people who are going through the same journey or a practitioner it's really hard sometimes to keep going when you feel your body changing physically and, and and mentally, and also just in the way that you're you're feeling in your body. Um, you know, things do start to shift as hormones start to come back online, and it takes a little bit of time for that to balance out. And consistency is is key, and and not getting ahead of yourself in like as you were saying, oh, I've got my period back, awesome! Like, gonna go sign myself up for a half marathon. Um, <laughs> I do see that sometimes. I think.
2: I think sometimes when women are doing my HA course, they forget that I am friends with them on Facebook. Mm. I, see <laughs> I
1: know. Isn't that funny? Same.
2: <laughs> I see them do these things. Like, oh, come on, babe.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I think also comparison, like sure. There might be someone that, you know, that runs marathons or does triathlons or is a crossfitter and is your friend and they still have their period, mm. but like, it doesn't matter. Like, eyes on your own lane because you don't know what else is going on for them and even if you did and even if that was the case like that's their story and you know I just think comparison in this kind of situation or any situation is just going to make you fit fall into that victim mindset and that is not going to help you move forward mentally or physically
2: totally that's such a good point everyone is so so different everyone's physiology is so different um and everyone is different in how they respond to different stresses i mean one of my best friends um is pregnant at the moment and she's so so small like, you would you would look at her and go how how that mm. she she doesn't she's got sufficient body fat she doesn't do a lot of exercise
1: <laughs> yeah yeah like i just think it's like everyone everyone's journey is different and how you end up looking physically will also be little bit different as well like everyone has a natural body fat that their body functions best at and everyone's body composition is a little bit different and you just you really have to just do your best to keep on working at accepting that like kate like i hope you don't mind but i'll use us as, as an example like i like i would say that my body naturally carries a like a little bit more body fat for me to be able to have a regular cycle and when we were both going through healing I mean this is just my my observations like I would say you're naturally um like now for example you're naturally still quite no, I don't want to use the word lean, but you're like when, when people look at you, because I know people will listen and then look you up and be like, oh, what does she look like now that she's gone through healing and she has a period, like you still look quite lean because that is your natural natural body, but you still have adequate body fat for your body to be able to menstruate. Whereas I carry, I need for my for me to have a period, I actually, my body needs a little bit more body fat than I would... Like in my back then when I was healing in my ideal mind or ideal picture would be like, oh no, I don't want that much. But you kind of like, you just got to accept what is optimal for you and continue focusing on body love and the good parts and like continue growing that list because everyone goes into healing well, I can't say everyone, but I would say the majority of people go into healing with a fear around their body changing, but you kind of just have to surrender to the experience and trust that your, your body will find its, its way to what is naturally optimal for, for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome that. And I think that the fear around the body thing is is more our own internal fear and just. And I like what, what Gabby Bernstein says: fear is false evidence appearing real. So when we think we put on, if we put on weight, we think that we're going to be judged, or our friends won't accept us anymore. And so I like to encourage women to think about what they value most in their best friends, and if their friend, if they, if the situation was flipped, and if their friend was to put on weight for their health would you want to stop being friends with them?
1: Mm,
2: exactly. Respect. I hope the answer would be no. If it's yes, you're an
1: asshole. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah we do. I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I back you on that.
2: Like... <laughs> but we shouldn't be friends with people for the way they look. And people, if pe- someone's friends with you just for the way you look, then I don't know if that's someone that you want to really have in your life. Mm. Um, but it's, it's not an easy... Um, easy journey. I remember justifying my weight gain to people all the time that I would just met. And looking back, I'm like, you idiot. Mm. <laughs> so I would say to them and say, I used to be much leaner, and they were, mm. and they would look at me going, I don't really care.
1: Yeah, like, thanks for the update. <laughs> what a weirdo. Yeah. Why showing me this? Yeah, like, yeah. I know, <laughs> and I agree. And look, I honestly, like to some extent, like we all judge. And so like those that are close to you, if if someone that's close to you is, is judging you for your weight gain, then obviously get rid of them. But to some degree, you have to accept that there are going to be people that may notice that your body composition changes, but don't project onto them that they're thinking, Oh God, look what happened to her. Like that's your, that's your thought, not theirs. You have no idea what they're thinking. Like I would say that a lot of people, when I started to put on weight, we were probably thinking, God, she looks so much healthier. But yeah. to me, in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, they're staring at me because I'm, like, I'm that girl that's, you know, gotten fat. Like, that was my internal voice and no one's going to respect my opinion anymore or, um, you know, is going to, you know, like, love me, basically, or accept me and I've, I've changed, whereas I think, like, that's, like we create our own reality. There's no such, like, you are the only creator of that and you're projecting your thoughts onto someone else when you have no idea what they're thinking. So just keep that in mind along the journey. Like, you don't need to hide, but you also need to remind yourself that people actually don't care that much about your body, to be honest. Like, no one cares.
2: Yeah. but Honestly, most people are just... Too concerned with what's going on with their own body.
1: Exactly.
2: When I think back, I don't actually think I thought you'd put on weight. I just admired your boobs.
1: Yeah, Yeah, guys, my boobs grew like over a uni break to the extent where, and this was because just so people are like, oh, my boobs are going to grow so much. um I, as I said, I got put on hormone replacement therapy and it was over. I started it over like the uni break and I came back to uni. And people were like, did you get your boobs done? And I was, I w- and most people would think, oh, great. Like, no, like, thank you for the compliment. I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. Um, and so, but and in my mind, I had changed so much and I was so uncomfortable. And I did all of the things I'm telling you not to do in terms of projecting other people's thought. Like I was just thinking, making up stories in my head of what everyone was saying about me or thinking about me. And I wouldn't go to parties. I wouldn't catch up with friends. Um, that, you know, knew me when I was much thinner and I would avoid all of that stuff. And I missed out on so much and I lost so many good friendships that I could have kept if I had not put so much weight on um, what I thought other people were thinking. So don't make that mistake because the people who love you the most don't give a shit about what your body fat percentage is. If anything, they're going to be so much happier when you're more flexible with eating out and you're not as anxious around food. Like I became a much more pleasant person to, to be around, to be honest.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I remember actually communicating to some of my best friends that I thought that they wouldn't want to be friends with me anymore. And they got mm. so mad, so, so mad at me and like really, really, honestly hurt by that so think about that when you're going through it as well That if you're thinking that poorly of your friends as well does that make sense
1: yeah it does
2: yeah they were, they were really upset by it
1: yeah i think it is. yeah it is offensive and i remember saying that too um or well, my husband was kind of there towards the very very end and i remember like projecting that thought onto him as well and you just yeah, I think we create so much of our own suffering and I think the easiest way to access back to a point of compassion is think about if the roles were reversed and your friend was the one that was putting on necessary body fat in order to be a much healthier human like what would you think of them you'd think nothing other than I'm so happy that they are doing what is necessary for their health and I like nothing about how much I love them has changed at all, and I think that if you can't do it if you if the access point to feeling that way it, you can't just do it for yourself straight up then use use a bit of like role reversal and and picture what you would think or say or feel for someone else
2: yeah, and it's the whole body love and self-care and self-respect is a big aspect of the course. It's something that we focus on every single week.
1: So it's it's really,
2: really important.
1: Yeah. And I think we've, yeah, well, I think we've ranted a lot about all of that. Can you, like, there's a few other key questions I want to ask you as well before we get too, um, (laughs) too, too lengthy. So we kind of already addressed whether someone could be, um, like if you have to be underweight in order to have HA, and and the answer was no. But can someone actually be overweight, um, or you know, do they? Can they be someone who's actually not over exercising and under eating and still have HA? Yes,
2: absolutely. And I would say the contributor there would be the psychological stress, most likely,
1: mm-hmm. most likely. And um, sorry, keep going. You go. And so if like. If that's the case, like is your program still appropriate for them um, in terms of like helping them deal with the psychological stress and environmental load of toxins and, and that side of things?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean we focus on food a lot, but that's that's not the main part, not, not the only part of it, we address all different areas. Um, I would just say with that, it's important to rule out polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, so the two main reasons other than, other than pregnancy, why you would lose your period is HA and PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And that the differentiating factor is a blood test with um, testosterone. And so elevated androgen levels, um, indicating PCOS and potentially insulin resistance. The polycystic ovaries on ultrasounds can happen with both. So that's not diagnostic of polycystic ovarian syndrome.
1: Okay, gotcha. And how like, how do you actually get diagnosed with hypothalamic amenorrhea? Like is it some airy-fairy thing or are conventional doctors and practitioners actually diagnosing this now?
2: Mm,
1: some are. <laughs> mm.
2: It's a diagnosis of exclusion, really. So you rule out polycysteovarian syndrome with those elevated androgen levels. You rule out pregnancy, um, rule out thyroid concerns, um, and they would be the main things that you are out. And rule, ruling out any... Um, Tumor as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And in terms of recovery, so you've touched on the food side of things and, and nourishing your body. You've touched on um, you know sensible amounts of exercise and reducing toxic load and managing stress. What Are there any other elements to someone recovering from HA and how long does it actually take? So in terms
2: of what to do, the main factors are nourishing your body with sufficient food, sufficient carbs, proteins, fats, all the things, not lacking in any of those, Um, managing your stress, as we mentioned, exercising appropriately um, and gently. So often you'll have to cut out all intense exercise or at least pull it right back. But I often recommend cutting it out completely. I don't recommend not moving your body at all. I don't think that's healthy physically or mentally and so i do still recommend gentle exercise walking yoga tai chi dancing getting out in the world in the nature in the natures um and then we also look at other areas that need to be addressed so gut health thyroid health if necessary mindset and then being consistent with it
1: Mm, yeah consistency is key Rescue. My Sorry. motto in, in
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> my motto in thyroid rescue program is consistency, not perfection. Because I feel like people get hung up on this. I have to be perfect to get the result, but I'm like, call bullshit. You have to be consistent to get the result.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, and and what about the length of time it takes to recover? Like, is there a certain like amount of weeks months years like that you say someone will recover in
2: mm, i always get this question so when i have a consult with people with ha i can when i say do you have any more questions i know i know that they're going to ask
1: yeah could you please mark it in my calendar for me yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: and the answer is how long's a piece of string yeah um, i don't know Um, In my experience, those who go all in, in terms of really nourishing their body, really pulling right back on the exercise, really being diligent with the stress management, using their supplementation, getting rid of the environmental toxins, doing all of the things like straight away and being consistent with that. They're the ones who get their period back sooner. Mm. The ones who double a little bit here and double a little bit there and kind of just go up and down and up and down and fall back and go back on the horse, that can draw things out a long, long, long time. Um, But I did have a question on the Instagram um, when I was posting about people wondering about questions for HA. There was one lady who asked how, she said, after having 10 years, after 10 years of having HA, do you think it's possible to recover? And I would say, absolutely. Yes.
1: That was me. I no. had 10 years. I oh, okay. no, her name is Marie. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> Nat, you didn't ask that question. <laughs> no, sorry. That was me. I didn't have my period from 13 to 23 or 23, 24.
2: Yeah. yeah, and I suspect I had it for just as long, but the pill was just masking it, really. And But I've had women in my course who have had HA for 14 years and got it back, I think she was 40. So she'd had it for 14 years and got her period back and she thought it was impossible, but she got hers back. So it is totally possible.
1: Mm. And, yeah, like totally agree with the length of time. You kind of got to detach from that, that goal and just focus on what exactly you can do and trust that it will come back as soon as it is supposed to come back. Mm. Um, and I say that with compassion. Like mine took quite a while, but it was because I was – The jump on, jump off, jump on, jump off, jump on. Oh, I got like, I got some signs. I'll just do some more exercise kind of person. So it took me two years of actively trying with jumping on and jumping off (laughs) to get it back. But if I had been really, as you said, Kate, you know, focused, consistent and done all the right things and not tried to still get away with all of the things I was already doing, but just maybe eating a tiny bit more food, then I would have gotten it back way faster. So you kind of get out what you put in exactly exactly and i'm not
2: the period fairy so what
1: you're not
2: (laughs) well i think sometimes
0: (laughs) sometimes
2: i will you know i'll I'll educate people on what they need to do and then after a month or two or three or four they'll say nothing's happening i'm not getting my period back and say okay what have you what have you done and they'll say oh nothing You've got to do uh-huh. things. <laughs> like, if nothing changes, nothing changes. I can't wave my period wand and poof, you get your period back. I will support you through it. I will educate you through it. I will hold your hand. But you've got to also do the work yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm just paying you out because I'm picturing you with a fairy wand <laughs> doing your wild dancing in New Zealand. But, no, uh, I agree. I think yeah, you do – you have to do the work. Like, you cannot, like – shift that responsibility to uh, like, to anyone else, not, not Kate, not your partner, not your friends. Like you have to do the work, but there are people around you that can support you and love you and hold the space and container for you to be able to do that. But at the end of the day, like you're the only one that can, can continue. Yeah. Work, working on that side of things. So Kate, you touched on, um, you know, thyroid, gut, adrenal issues. What, what, what happens if people do have those, those issues? Like, how, how is that contributing, or what, what do you have to say around that?
2: Um, so, we do talk about that in the program, and it really depends on what's going on. So, we address gut health, and we address thyroid health in gentle ways, but it really depends on the severity of what's going on. So, if someone has an underactive thyroid, um, depending on the severity, then they might need to look into potential um, medication and like desiccated thyroid or other options that you speak about all the time, Nat. Um, with gut health, we, as I said, we do address looking after your gut, but then I often find that there's a lot of other gut issues that go along with HA, particularly seaborn, I see a lot of. Mm-hmm. um and or there might be other bacterial imbalances. There might be parasites, so they also need to be addressed because the gut is really, really important in hormone balance. Um, and then with adrenal issues, that needs to be addressed because if you have adrenal issues, then you're affecting your ability to produce those sex hormones. So we do talk all about those, but some things do need to also be um, outsourced with
1: anyway.
2: mm. further testing.
1: Yeah, perfect the person. Yeah. And do you have to gain weight to get, the, get your period back? Like, does everyone across the board with HA have to gain weight to get their period back?
2: Not necessarily, but they do need to have sufficient body fat levels.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. But for me, so for me, I put on 10 kilos to get mine back, I think, and now I'm around three to five kilos heavier than what I was when I had HA. Mm-hmm. But that three to five kilos, my body composition will be completely different now. There's nowhere near as much Muscle.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> or cushion. <laughs> I was going to say something inappropriate, but I'm not going. Yeah, you were. Um, <laughs> 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 okay. And what about supplements, essential oils? Like, d- does that play a role? And do you actually speak about that in your course?
2: I do. Um, So there are some key supplements that are shown in the research for helping women get their period back, one of which is acetyl L-carnitine, and that helps to support the mitochondria or the energy houses of the ovaries. That's a big one. Um, I often recommend a really good quality multivitamin, multimineral, because your body's probably depleted. I mean, I I often recommend that for most people now because our soils are depleted, Um, but particularly for HA, particularly if you've been on the pill, you need to replenish those nutrients. Um, Other ones that we look at might be more specific to the individual, depending on what's going on, depending if they want to be conceiving anytime soon. So it's really on an individual basis. And I I work through the course with people, so I'm there with them and I work individually with them a little bit through the course to see what's going to be appropriate for them. But across the board, I usually say acetyl-l-carnitine and a multivitamin, multimineral. With acetyl-l-carnitine, the dose depends on whether or not they have a thyroid concern as well. So Mm. if they've got a thyroid concern, I'll probably drop the dose down. If they don't, then I'll increase it. Um, Yeah. Essential oils, yes, they do play an awesome role in helping with this. The biggest factor is helping to eliminate sources of environmental toxins where you might be getting those um, endocrine disruptors, those hormone disruptors from your skincare that you're using, your deodorant, your perfumes, your cleaning products, your air fresheners, everything in the home that could be disrupting your hormones. And um, we can use essential oils and simple carrier oils and you know baking soda, to make very, very simple, effective and cheap alternatives. And then there are some essential oils that really help to balance the hormones um, by applying them topically or diffusing them. So some key ones will be frankincense, um, clary sage, doTERRA's clary calm blend, um, geranium, and a few essential oils are known as amenagogues, which encourage menstruation. So that would be marjoram and peppermint. Pe- peppermint. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, did I just say that weird? I think I said it weird. Yeah. Peppermint. peppermint. Um, it's Um
1: for peppermint, guys.
2: <laughs> I do need to say, don't think that you can just apply essential oils without doing the underlying work and expect them to force a period because you need to build up that healthy uterine lining first in order to have that, lining shed as a menstrual period so if you're not going to do all of the other work the oils are going they might support you in other ways definitely your moods and physically emotionally but they're not going to force a period if there's nothing there to force
1: mm, yes yes mm. so agree okay so you've you've told us Quite well. It, we've, we've kind of dribs and drabs told everyone what is included in your he- a healing hypothalamic amenorrhea course. So by the sounds of it, you're covering pretty much everything possibly possible that could be covered, like food, supplements, stress, um, essential oils, de- decreasing toxic load. I think I already said supplements, exercise, it, it, like so much. But what else can you tell us about it, like? What, like, is there anything else that's involved? Like, is there a Facebook group? How long is it for? And more importantly, how do people actually sign up?
2: yeah so it is an eight week online course but i am in it with you so i've considered setting it as an evergreen where people can just do it on their own terms but i think there's real value in doing it as a group and having me there to support you as well Um, and we do have a facebook group which is incredible the women in there are absolutely amazing they blow me away all the time with their incredible support for one another um, and their vulnerability and their openness, and it's just nice to know that you're not alone in it and you can reach out and share what you're going through and get this support not just from me but for everyone else from everyone else who's going through it. It's beautiful, often has me in tears. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so, we go through eight different modules. So, the first week is really focused on mindset, so, you really need to have a strong and solid mindset and really set your why and understand your obstacles, understand potential triggers, set your goals um, and have that somewhere where you can refer back to it all the time. And this might change over time, but it's really important to have that solid why. If you're kind of like, oh, I think I just should get my period back, you probably will go up and down with that. Mm -hmm. Really nutting out why it's important for you is gonna be so important. Um, We set up supplements, we look into what you're eating. So in module two, the second week, we talk about reconnecting your brain and your ovaries and making your brain feel safe through stress management. And we talk about We we might, for some women, we might track the calories, but for other women who find that triggering, that I might just get them to write down a typical day of what they're eating and then I'll go through and assess that and give some pointers as to what they could change, what they could add, and how they could really nourish themselves a little bit better. We talk about the role of different uh, macronutrients, so carbohydrates, proteins, fats. We talk about stress, we talk about body weight, body fat. We talk about hunger and satiety as well there's a few other things that we talk about like seed cycling which can help balance your hormones we talk about your thyroid and exercise as i said self-love there's a bonus module for women who have been on the pill and um so post pill cleansing essentially to get rid of those synthetic hormones out of your body Week three, we talk about nourishing your gut for hormone health. So a whole week on digestive health um, and everything that can impact that. Week four, we talk about liver health for hormone health. Uh, Week five, we talk about looking after your adrenals for sex hormone production and everything that affects that. Week six, we talk about alternative therapies, a whole lot of alternative therapies, (laughs) which is really cool. I, I kind of went i spent thousands on alternative therapies and so they they have their place um but again it's important to be able to be doing the groundwork first and foremost Mm. and week seven we talk about external factors so talking to your family and friends about ha endocrine disruptors from the environment resources that are going to help you we talk about medications we talk about body acceptance again. Um, and other, other factors that can be coming from the outside in. And then module eight, we really talk about what next. So when you get your period, what next? How do you keep your period coming regularly? What to do if you've got any um, period concerns, like painful periods, heavy periods, PMS, all of the things. So it's a very holistic cover all the things. And wow. You get um, a recipe book as well for an meal plan as a guide. It's not a, you have to follow this. It's more of a guide as to, here's some inspiration. And we're going to have weekly interviews with some experts like Cassie Mendoza Jones, who is a naturopath, nutritionist and kinesiologist. Lara Bryden, who's the author of the period repair manual. Jody Bees, who's a naturopath nutritionist. Laura Schoenfeld, who is a dietitian. Kelsey Marksteiner, who's also a dietitian. And Nicola Rinaldi, who is the author of No Period, Now What? Um, among others, and weekly live calls where you can ask anything and everything, and we can just sit down and chat
1: Wow, that's so like as someone who's been through hypothalamic amenorrhea a solo, I would say like if I touch wood had H a again, I would one hundred percent sign up and I don't just say that as your friend or as a colleague, truly like that support is. And information in one place, and also going through it with other women, is so powerful because it's as you've kind of touched on, Kate. That often the the solution is simple, but it doesn't mean that the application is without its challenges. And I'd say, like you've covered so much stuff in that, and the support, like the interviews, the um the Facebook group, all of that stuff is just like priceless so anyone who is considering doing it like honestly i 100 think that it would it is so worth it like wow like ugh, speechless i just wish that i had this when i was struggling <laughs>
2: uh-huh, thanks
1: no problem so when does it, like how do people sign up and when does it actually start so that um, people can get in because I know that it's only a limited amount of spots so I want to make sure that people listening can go and kind of get there get in first.
2: Yeah and the reason why it's limited is because I give that individual support and that emotional support as well um, so I want to be able to give as much as I can without burning out essentially. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. I do have to take my own advice, not give more than I am capable of giving. Um, So we'll be starting on the 6th of October and they can sign up via my website. So if they go to www.theholisticnutritionist.com, navigate to the shop page and in there you'll see the first one on the left is the e-course and you just click on that and you'll be able to sign up. Um, I'll be opening up enrolments, sign-ups next week so next week Ooh, exciting
1: 23rd of september awesome all right well any any final words to say on on the program or anything like that that you need to share besides all of the wonderful information that you've already given us
2: no, I think that's it. If anyone has any questions or are concerned um, about whether or not the program's right for them, then feel free to contact me. You can shoot me a message on Instagram at the Holistic Nutritionist, or you can email me, Kate, at theholisticnutritionist.com and we can have a little chat about whether it's appropriate for you.
1: Awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that information with us and your story and I am really excited for everyone who gets to be guided by you in that eight-week program and that's it so thank you guys for listening and we will catch y'all soon
0: thanks for tuning in to the holistic nutritionist podcast remember we love to make the show relevant to you if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss just submit them to podcast at nataliekdouglas.com and we'll get them answered for you Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with a friend. And if you're looking for more info about how we can accelerate your journey to optimal health, you can find me, Nat, over at NatalieKDouglas.com and Kate at TheHolisticNutritionist.com. See you next time.